Hey everyone, Quincy here. Wanted to say thank you for catching this replay of the hashtag Ask a Soccer Pro show on your audio platform of choice. You can re-listen to this episode and all our other interviews, episodes, and audio shows over at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also learn more and enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM to enter to win for free today. Thanks again and enjoy today's episode. Hello, guys. Welcome to this special Instagram live I'm your host, Eli Lesser. You might be wondering, why is this so special? Well, if you haven't been living under a rock recently, you would have seen my promotion. We are getting Montreal Impact striker Quincy Ameriqua on this live stream. He should be on in just a moment. But until then, I guess I'm going to entertain you. I don't know what to entertain you with. We're just waiting for him (laughs) to join. But... Basically, in today's interview, we will be going over a lot of things. Quincy Ameriqua has had a very interesting career. He's been around, which we will get to. And he is currently going to be or he is going to become a free agent this MLS off season. Where will he land? I don't know. But we will dig deep and find that answer. We are just waiting for him to join any minute now. Oh, and he is here. I'm wearing this perfect soccer crew neck. You guys definitely need to get the crew neck. Hey, Quincy. Yo, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you? I'm good. Let me set this up better. How to rep the crew hey, neck today. There we go. Repping perfect yeah. soccer. That's what's up, man. <laughs> yeah. So I gave a little intro already. Okay. Um, hello, Quincy. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Ugh, this getting this set up. So there we go. Cool. Awesome. 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 Okay. So, um, whenever I interview a player, I like to go all the way back to where they started. You grew up okay. in California, Bakersfield, to be specific. What was it like growing up in in California, a very big soccer place in America, and how did you get into soccer, really? Uh, uh, That's a good place to start. I saw Bingham joined in, and he said the man bun is dead, and would say he's just jealous because he doesn't have as great of a He is exactly. It's not dead. He's jealous. What up, Daisy? I'm just saying what's up to a couple of people that came in. Talk talk about his dead hair. Get out of here. So, yeah, uh, I'll give a quick (laughs) – I'll try to give – Hey, what's up, Mike Facito, bro? I've seen all these people hopping in on the live. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah, so uh, quick story. Yeah, I was born and raised in Bakersfield, California, right? Um, that's where I played most of my youth soccer, or well, all of my youth soccer. I played for the, I played in AYSO. I played for the Heat for AYSO, and then when I ended up going to play club, I played for the Bakersfield Alliance, and that's where you know I did most of my playing there and then at high school liberty high school shout out to those guys um we just did kind of their jerseys for their school so um that was kind of cool but um yeah that's where mainly where my focus was with soccer and then from there um the opportunity happened to come about to go and play in college and then that kind of spring 
the career sprung from there. I mean, I could take that into a super long, deep story. Uh, I've written that over on my website, so it kind of breaks it down if someone wants to really know that entire thing, but that's like the quick. I'll link it. Yeah, that's the quick, like, 30-second version of it. Right. At what point in your youth did you know that you could become a professional player? Oh, okay, so that's a, that's a, that's a very um, unique question. So, like, at what point did I know I could be a pro? I guess the, the point I, that I knew I could be a pro was when I was a pro, right? So f playing soccer for me was just something I enjoyed doing for fun. And um, when I look back, I, so basically my philosophy in soccer has always been to play every game as if tomorrow I'm going to lose my legs. Mm. And the reason why I've played that way is because I practically almost lost my leg when I was like 12 years old playing soccer. I got kicked in the leg. I broke my femur. And... Oh. Uh, yeah, when, when you're that age and you, you deal with that, you're thinking, okay, I'm never going to play soccer again, or that's a possibility. So once you come back and you get to play again, every single day is just, you know, kind of a gift. And I never looked at soccer as something more than just something I really loved and enjoyed doing. And because my philosophy was always to play as hard as I could every single day I was on the field, it led to, after doing that for years and years and years, playing professional soccer became an option and an opportunity. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I know my, my story isn't typical for most guys. A lot of guys say they've always enjoyed and loved and wanted to play pro soccer. Um, me, it was the opposite. I never really thought to do that or wanted to do that. But uh, the strategy in which I played soccer is why I was eventually able to go pro. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, hopefully that answers that question. Yeah. What did you what did you think you wanted to be when you were growing up, if not soccer? Oh, OK, that's good. Um, so when I broke my leg, I, I was thinking I would go to school to become a doctor. I didn't know what kind until I broke my leg. And then I was thinking I'd become an orthopedic surgeon. Um, so that, yeah, so that was the plan. I actually went to like a medical school camp in like eighth grade or ninth grade at UCLA to kind of get, uh, yeah, it was med camp. <laughs> so kind of mapped out and figured out everything I was doing there. And that was, that was basically the plan. And um, soccer became a vehicle that I could use to help hopefully pay for school with um with like a scholarship but like i go into kind of on the website as well too my approach for for college soccer was completely wrong like that's not the way that you should go about sorry excuse me getting recruited or trying to get recruited yeah and when i, when I happened to get there and play then i learned what it took and i knew what i could have done differently so that's kind of what we wrote we've written the books about to help help kids along that process but there's a lot of things you can do, but most of the time you don't know it till it's too late. And that doesn't help you when it's too late. So um, I was lucky at certain aspects of my career, but, but once I realized I was lucky, I made sure I wouldn't allow luck to be the reason why I move on or not moving forward. Hmm. So you went from maybe not really looking to go pro to all of a sudden being drafted by the San Jose Earthquakes, which is somewhat local of a team to Bakersfield. I know it's California. What was that experience like being there on your first stint? Yeah. So, uh, I was actually at Davis in, um, my, what was it? Bio 104 lab when I got a bunch of texts saying congratulations. And I was kind of like, okay, congratulations for what I looked at. They said, Oh, you've been drafted by the San Jose earthquakes. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. What does that mean? I don't really know, but so I got, I got online and I started doing some research and I was like, okay, John Doyle is the general manager. I don't really know what that means, but okay. And Frank Yallop is the head coach. Okay. And then I basically kind of just jumped 
jumped all in. I still was in school. So I drive from Davis after class. I drive, no, before class, I get up in the morning, I drive to Davis, I go to training. And then after training, I drive back to Davis and I go and take class. So especially at that time, the league wasn't kind of as established as it's starting to get right now. So um, yeah, there's some interesting stories and stuff from that time, but there, especially player like rules and protections and stuff weren't, weren't as far along as they are now. So uh, it was pretty much just, hey, you have a glorified trial. That's really what it was. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't like NFL draft, like you got a four-year guaranteed contract. You got a lot of money coming your way. No, it was just basically saying, hey, you can come out with us and train for the next month, and we might give you a contract. And if you get a contract, then it's semi-guaranteed. And at the end of the year, mm -hmm. there's an option. So, so there's a lot yeah. of obstacles and hurdles you had to overcome to kind of, you know, what has now been a 10-year career. But um, I think all my process in soccer leading up to that point kind of prepared me for that. Yeah. So what did you do in that one-month trial to impress the coaches, the staff, the front office, anything? Like, what did you do to make that team? Um, I can only really look at it from my perspective looking back, right? But I think mm -hmm. from, from, from what I understand and know of the league and kind of where we were at that time, I think what they saw was, you know, a lot of potential, you know, an athletic player who works really hard and brings kind of something that maybe it isn't – like is hard to come, come by in the game of soccer, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm not your traditional – I'm not your traditional uh, – quote unquote soccer player right like i'm a i'm someone who happens to play soccer <laughs> and uh and but that i've really internalized that and taken full full control of that because that means i bring something that other people can't and it's either you value it or you don't and i think um i think at the time uh the the organization saw that and it was something that they wanted and you know I feel I did what I needed to do to, to earn that contract. And then from there, uh, learned the things I needed to, to kind of stick around and to improve my game and kind of refine and learn those, the other technical sides, the more, you know, soccer, uh, type of things that, uh, most people are looking for. Yeah. So after the San Jose earthquakes, you went to the rapids, Toronto FC and Chicago fire, you kind of moved around for a little bit. Uh, what what was that time period like for you? What were some of your good memories, bad memories? Oh, if there are any bad memories. Yeah, no, that's a long career. I mean, there's a there's been, definitely been a lot of difficult times and you know uh, stressful situations. That's kind of like the that's the journey and path of professional soccer. Um, but there's been a lot of great times as well too, and more importantly, there's been a lot of great people I've met along the way. Um, you know, for instance, Ross, who helps me run the Perfect Soccer account and is helping me put all that stuff together. We met and played together in 2010 when we won the MLS Cup with Colorado Rapids. Um, yeah. A lot of the other guys that are coming around full circle that are joining us and kind of, you know, working with the Perfect Soccer brand and what we're doing are guys who I've met and built relationships with and played with over the course of, you know, my 10-year career. So there have been some very, like, <laughs> difficult downtimes, but I, I, I look at those as the reasons why um, the reason why it made it worth it right like nothing's really you don't feel as fulfilled when whatever you overcame was simple so um, I just look at those as kind of like badges of honor and what's great is those are lessons that I'm able to apply off the field 
So every single time someone's put something difficult or, or not believed in what I'm capable of doing or figuring out or whatever, it, it just gives me motivation to prove them wrong. So uh, what they don't really know is by giving me negative energy or hating or whatever, it actually makes me better. So if you, if you actually don't want me to do well, don't, don't say bad stuff about me. <laughs> Cause that just okay. motivates, me to, it motivates me to prove you wrong. So, I mean, if you like helping me, uh, keep doing it. So, well, in that case, you suck. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, after that time period with the Rapids, Toronto seeing the Chicago fire, you went back to the San Jose earthquakes for a second stint. What was it like being more of a veteran player at this point, having more experience? Um, I think the, the, mo the, the most valuable thing of having experience is you're able to recognize things for what they are uh, as they, before they happen, not as they happen or after they happen. Mm -hmm. And when you can look at those things and have that uh, foresight, you're able to do things differently or better or be better prepared for what's coming your way. And, um, you know, the second stint was, was great. Um, mainly because you know it's an organization you're already familiar you're already familiar with the area you don't really have to learn anything new you know where things are you know who to speak to what to speak to about who's responsible for what and um i think there's a lot of value in vet in mls veteran players that i think most teams are really missing out on because they don't understand how much you have to learn when you come into the league or when you're when you're going to a new organization or team and i think that's something very difficult for you know especially international guys when they come here, um, yeah. the learning curve, yeah, the learning curve is so huge. And if you don't have those veteran guys, um, to there, there to help them and to teach them, you're literally throwing them into the lion's den. And, uh, I think as more organizations are, are unfortunately making the mistake of not understanding the value of those guys, um, uh, they're seeing the, they're, they're understanding more and more because they're missing those pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think the teams that are really understanding that, those are the ones who are going to set themselves up for, for the future. So it was, a, it was a good run while I was there and a lot of stuff has changed since then. So it's kind of just, that's what you do. You, you assess the situation and then you, you move on. Yeah, so I can't bring up your second stint with San Jose without talking about the goal you scored in 2016 against the uh -huh. Portland Timbers. Probably uh -huh. the greatest goal I've ever seen over Adam Corsa. What was going through your head when that happened? Oh, uh, it's funny because during that time, it was probably the most moment of clarity I've had on the field. Like, the, well, there's been a couple of moments where it's just like everything's real slow and it's clear. And the first few touches I took before the chip, like getting control of the ball, um, the ball went exactly where and how I wanted to. So I had like maximum time to to assess, see where I was, have a look up, see where Quarse was, and then, uh, and then make my decision on, okay, I'm gonna go for the chip here. Let's, might as well. D did every, everything up to this point went well. <laughs> the chip's on, let's try it. So I went for it and I was like, hmm. all right, there you go. It, it all came together. So um, I wasn't- Yeah, that was, that, that was definitely my favorite goal of 2016. Um, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, and I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, to all the viewers who are watching who may not know what I'm referring to, I'll post the goal after or something because awesome. cool. everyone needs to see it if they haven't already. Um, 
So next, in August of this year, a mid-season trade, you were sent yep. over to the Montreal Impact. Um, did that trade come as a shock to you, or what, what, what was going on in your head when you traded? Oh, um, no, that wasn't a shock to me. I mean, you don't make it 10 years in the, uh, 10 years in the league and uh, something like that comes as a shock. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the direction of the organization and where they wanted to go and kind of where, where I'm at, where I was at, um, just didn't align. So I knew uh, movement had to happen. And, uh, you know, uh, with where I'm at, it's just a matter of kind of waiting to towards midseason when teams can kind of see where they're at based on, you know, the rosters they built at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. And once, once that kind of happens, now you're, you're looking out into the league and uh, you're looking for teams who, who value what you bring to the table and kind of want you to be a part of their organization. Um, it's, it's, it's a great feeling to be somewhere where you're wanted. It's a uh, much dif more difficult when you're somewhere where you're not wanted. So when there's a way you can find a mutually beneficial way to kind of part ways, that's just part of the, that's part of the game. And, um, it's just kind of business, so. Oh, you're cutting out on me there. Yeah, so you. play oh, in it, Montreal, you were they, given the start, starting spot. Yeah, I, you're cutting out on me a little bit too. Can you hear me or? <laughs> Okay, looks like uh, we are having slight difficulties. The Wi-Fi in my house is terrible. Okay, so they... Oh, good. I think, yeah. Are... Would you give it a second for you to hop back in? Yeah, wait. I think... I think... I now. Okay, perfect. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, awesome. So, in Montreal, you were given... ...and... ...to play as the target man for talented wingers in Silva and Piatti. Okay, I, I think you cut out a little bit, but I think you said um, uh, I got traded to... Montreal and what was it like to play yeah. with with guys like Sylvan Piatti? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, yes, I mean to be that target man. Uh no, I mean you know uh, if anyone's watched anybody uh, any amount of my game, uh, uh, though I'm not the biggest guy, my my natural my natural position is a target. Him, so he can never get me back. So I want to make sure I'm 100 percent on that. So. <laughs> No. Well, we all know Piatti is capable, so you might need to run away as fast as you can. But, <laughs> yeah, no, so Montreal was an, yeah, so Montreal was an interesting team this year. They just missed the playoffs. Do you think something went wrong, or do you think just other teams surrounding you guys just had um, incredible momentum, like a DC United? Yeah, I think, um, uh, oh, that's a good one. I think, I think we did and had everything we needed in place to to make that run. I think the one the the problem we ran into is we lost the one game that meant the most, right? So, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think with joining the team and joining the team since joining the team we only lost two games, 
right? I think it was two, one like five, one six, lost two, tied two, something like that. So like, yeah, form into the end of the year is is you know I mean is a solid run. But the one of the games that we had lost happened to be against DC, who had the huge surge in momentum between you know the partnership of Rooney and um, uh, what's his name, Acosta, is that his name? Yeah, Acosta. Yeah. Acosta, yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when guys can rally behind that and they feel like they're playing for something bigger than just that, um, it's difficult to overcome. Um, but you can also see how the inexperience of having um, playoff experience, once they kind of got in there, it was short-lived, right? Um, not, not to take anything away from D.C. because I think they, they did everything they needed to to earn that. Um, but, like... I don't know how many of their last games were at home, right? So you've got the, the home field advantage momentum. Then you've got the new guys with Rooney, like top players like that. That momentum, uh, that carries you into playoffs. But playoffs is a completely different beast, right? It's a completely different animal. Once you get to playoffs, it's almost like full elimination. So, so the approach of that is much different. And you can see the more veteran types of teams or teams with more veteran players, more MLS veteran players, are the ones who make it deeper in playoffs. You know, when you're looking, when you're looking at that, it's no coincidence the amount of, you know, experienced MLS guys who are making it farther and farther in the playoffs. And that's just the structure of the league. Sorry, I, I lost you for one second ago. Um, so you're entering an interesting time, free agency. Do you, what is next for you? Do you plan to stay in MLS, go abroad, anything? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. So in, this, in the realm of professional sports, uh, you can plan as best as you can in terms of where you'll be and what you're doing. But where you end up it comes down to when a contract's presented and, you know, when you sign on the dotted line. But from that perspective, I've always been very open to any opportunities as they arise, right? I, I've, I've loved my time in MLS and I'd, you know, I'd love to continue that um, if, if that continues to be an opportunity for me to pursue, but I'm also open to other, other avenues, other, other opportunities. I know there's some teams overseas who have shown some, uh, some interest, uh, teams in MLS, teams in other leagues. So, um, I'm not, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, uh, I'm open to anything that makes sense and uh, somewhere where I'm, I'm wanted and people uh, value what I bring to the table and how I can contribute, right? So um, uh, I, there's only been so many guys who have actually made it to official free agency. Uh, the current CBA rules is, what, 28 and 8? Uh, so... Um, I'm interested to see how these next couple weeks uh, transpire once what's MLS Cup is finished and and teams are starting to really focus in on what their plan is for next year. <laughs> Victor had next Real Madrid transfer. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd be open to that, but uh, probably not. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> we would love to see that is hear me because I think they're saying that you're cut again and I can't really hear you either <laughs> yeah, can you guys give me a thumbs up with the emoji if you can hear me oh I, wait ah the connection again what does that Okay. We should be no, back. It's all good. So every so everyone can kind of hear me. So, Wait. Well, yeah, there Quincy. we go. We're waiting on your connection to come back. So I wanted to make sure you're. We can still. <laughs> Wait. I'm gonna text you. Can you tell about Perfect Soccer? Yes, I can tell you a little bit about Perfect Soccer. <laughs> um, so Perfect Soccer is our soccer brand, as you can as you can tell. Um, to to the point of. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys and girls um, are aren't sure of how how to really go about their their just soccer development and process. And um, like I said, there's a lot of things and lessons I've learned along the way that had I known at a younger age, would have made my process like a million times easier or better. So um, we started off writing a couple of books on how to really um, expedite that process and. We, we broke them down. So we've got the Ultimate College Soccer Recruiting Blueprint. We've got the Perfect Soccer Player Blueprint. And then we're even working on our, our goalkeeper book because I'm not a goalkeeper, but I have contacts with a lot of goalkeepers. And the best part is those books are free. <laughs> so um, even though if some of you guys are old school fans of the, uh, of the Quincy Time Show, you'll know you'd have seen some of my goalkeeper skills when I played uh, Sean Johnson in uh, PK Shootout. So if you haven't checked that out on Ooh. YouTube, go check out that episode. Um, I need to see that. Yes, there's, that's classic. That was my time when I was with Chicago. I had a lot of fun in Chicago, and uh, the Quincy Time shows were, were awesome. But, yeah, that, those books over at perfectsoccerskills.com slash book. Uh, if you're interested or wanting to become better at soccer, you want to improve your game, you want to set, you know, do everything you can to improve where you are and where you want to go, head over there, and you can get access to all of our books and materials for free. So I, I didn't want uh, lack of lack of resources to be a reason why um, you guys didn't have access to the best soccer education and training that I know I've seen. I, I see a lot of um, channels and people giving information, which is great. It's always good to get varying opinions and ideas. Um, but uh, what we do at Perfect Soccer is we just tell you our truth through our own personal experience. We don't tell you things that we don't know. Um, we don't tell you think we don't tell you what we think. We tell you what we know, and we know this because we've done it ourselves. So we're only telling you what to do based on what we know to do, not, you know, not secondhand, not off this. We, you know, so that's that's really what Perfect Soccer is and what it represents. And then from there, we've been building and growing, growing everything from there. Oh, that's what's up, Rapids fan. Pin that, pin that link. I didn't even know you could do that. Now that's pretty dope. Yeah, I, I I pinned it for him. Yeah, I had to. I had to. Oh, hey, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so that's the link. Um, that kind of starts you around down that path with all that. We've just been building out a whole bunch of stuff. And um, if anybody is seen, uh, we've already done the partnership with uh, This Week in MLS. So we, we really appreciate all of our partnerships. We love, our, we love the partnerships we're doing. Uh, we love soccer. We love talking about it. We love MLS. And, um, you know, over on our account at Perfect Soccer, you get access to 
uh, current and ex-soccer pros daily. We hop on live and we answer your questions. So I know my plan is to hop on there at least once a week moving forward, but Ross is on there daily. And then uh, we're adding more every single day. I think we'll get Mark Pelosi on there soon. Um, I'm going to hit up Sean Johnson. I'll reach out to pretty much everybody. Everyone who I've played with, I'm going to get them over there on the live and and you guys are going to be able to get your questions and stuff answered from them. And that's why we really, uh, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me to schedule this and do the live and everything. So, of course, um, I love to have guests on. I've had I've had a number of guests. This is probably the most unique one. Um, it's Quincy Ameriqua, for heaven's sake. Uh, so this is my last question, and this is a question I've asked all of my guests. Okay. Um, where do you think soccer in America is heading and how can you play a role in its development? Oh, okay. So then I've got a counter question for you. I say from, from what perspective? Um, I would have to say in a develop, um, in kind of like a mentor perspective, you giving back to the youth. I know you have perfect soccer. Can be your answer to this question? I think you, out of all the people I've interviewed, definitely have the answer. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but if you've enjoyed listening to this episode and learning what it takes to increase your mental strength, well, how would you like to work with me one-on-one -on -one directly? Now you can with Be Pro Mentality. Head over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash bpro. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash B-E-P-R-O to apply to work with our network of pro players today. Okay, so, no, that's good. Because I want to make sure I'm answering the question that you're asking. So, yeah. there, uh, a big reason why we made, we made Perfect Soccer, right, was because of the issues and problems I see going through the system as it stands right now. And uh, most people are looking at this process with a, um, with a hindsight, right? So they're looking at yeah. what people did and deciding what did or didn't work. And the only way you can really make change is you have to look with foresight and say, okay, well, what can we do now to make sure the future is what we want it to be, right? And I think from the perspective of MLS, MLS understandably spent a lot of time and effort and energy to get attention on the league, right? To, hey, hey, we have a league here, it's good, come here, watch us, you know, this isn't just a retirement league, even though we're getting older guys who are, the, but that's because the league was going from a marketability standpoint, right? Yeah. Well, MLS is past that stage of, of MLS is past the stage of needing that, that type of uh, attention because those players want to come here and play earlier, right? They mm -hmm. want to be part of it. They want to do that. Um, but if we continue to believe that we can't develop and have the talent here, right, and we continue to recruit out, outward, recruiting outward is, is great, but we can't do it without also uh, – we can't do that without also understanding why the league is established to the place that it has in the first place. And that kind of looks forward thinking to what you're, what you're talking about in terms of the mentorship of the kids that are coming through the system, right? I think the league has done, um, is doing what it can on the like developmental side, you know, with homegrown players and academies and everything. Yeah. But what, what percentage of those kids are actually getting meaningful minutes? Very, very yeah. few to zero, to zero. And the ones who are doing well, 
they're going and signing for big, big clubs overseas, right? So they're not staying here. Yeah. So we just lost Alfonso Davies, right? Um, uh, who else? Uh, who else? Was We're losing a lot of the academy products that haven't necessarily made an MLS appearance yet. Yes. A lot of so look like at that. the 17 year olds, 18 year olds. What, what are, what is your thoughts on those guys? Do you think they should yes. be staying here before making the move? No. Okay. So, um, you cut out a little, but I think I, I got what you had said. So, Okay, so let's break that down from a couple different angles. From the perspective of overseas, it makes the most sense for them to come in and cherry pick guys at 17, 18, and 19 because they know those are our best guys, right? Because we're, we're marketing them. They're the next uh, Marisa Adu, right? Um, yeah. Or Freddie Adu. Sorry, not Marisa Adu. Freddie, well, even Marisa because <laughs> he, you know, he was a big name player as well, too, with the U.S. national team. But so they're going in. We can get these guys pennies on the dollar and bring them into our system. If they do well, awesome. If they don't, no problem. Doesn't matter right? We're farming their best guys. If you look at the MLS right now, how many guys in this offseason under the age of 30 retired? At least six at this point. Okay. So from, I mean, to me, and like I said, from my perspective, the way I'm looking at it, it's going guys who are involved in, in building in this league, don't see a future for themselves in the league. And guys who are super young on this league see much better opportunity overseas. So they're taking off, right? And I wouldn't recommend that those young guys stay in MLS either, because if you really look at it, um, well, yeah, if I'm being honest, I wouldn't recommend that they're staying in MLS if they have the ability to go overseas, because what percentage of young guys are getting actual considerable minutes? None. You know, like a, a lot of these guys, if they're signing at 16, 17 and 18 years old, rather than going to college, they just sit on a roster for three to four years, never getting any minutes. No one knows or remembers them. Then they're 21, 22 years old with zero minutes, zero experience. You know, they're not playing in any games. And now, and now what? Well, we're going to re-sign the next 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old. And you're 21, 22, 23. You've signed a pro contract, so you can't go back to college. You, you have an American passport, so, and you haven't played for the national team or done anything else, so it's not like you can get a work visa anywhere else. I mean, these are real, these are real things and concerns that most players – aren't thinking about and don't even know because yeah. because they're kind of blinded by just getting to play pro or they want to play pro or they want to sign that contract and i'm going like the day that you sign that contract it is no longer it's no longer for fun it's a it's a it's for your livelihood and um i think that's a very hard shift for young kids and young guys to make because their whole soccer career up to that point for the most part has been for their enjoyment the second they're paid there are expectations that go far beyond the love of the game. And um, I think that's yeah. why a lot of guys, maybe they rise quick, but they fall quick as well too. Um, and these are things that are hard for people to, to understand because it, it, to the point, what perfect soccer is like, I'm just, I'm just speaking to you from my experience. I've seen a lot of things that you wouldn't believe have or do happen. And there's a lot of angles that young guys just can't see because they don't have the experience. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, that, I mean, that's a, that's a good one. And when you're talking about soccer development longer term, I think because of, because of this gap, because of this issue, because of this problem, um, through force of circumstance, in eight years, we, like, we win a World Cup. 
because we realize all the issues and problems that we have and we have to address them and only the best of the best makes it up, right? So you're talking about like these younger farm guys who are leaving here and playing like uh, Pulisic and uh, Davies and those guys, you're talking about four years of development and development in the top leagues in the world. Now they're playing on the international stage. They get one more cycle and now they're here at the second cycle with like seven or eight years of experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then in that time you're hoping MLS is, or the U S system has figured out a process to kind of get, you know, at least a handful of those guys between the ages of 17 and 21, you're really giving them more opportunities to play on the field. I mean, if the league wants to develop for the long term like that, I think that's the way that you go about doing it. But it's hard to compete with that when you can look at the dollar signs and the money that's flying into the league right now, right? Like money can yeah. make you very short-sighted. Um, yeah. And if it turns into a money grab, I think it's going to be to the detriment of the league. I think it'll be to the detriment of like the, the, the real fans, the real MLS fans who've been there through thick and thin when everyone in the world didn't think that this is a league worth coming to, you know, like, I think, I think it's the job. And this is me, right? Like, this is the idealistic, like, hey, if we could do everything yeah. for the for the right reasons, I think you reward the fans with sticking to them for their loyalty, but you also don't pander to them by gi and giving them, you know, just things because they want it, right? I love my fans. I love, I love you know, the support. I definitely love this criticism, but sometimes, um, sometimes, uh, you have to make tough choices and tough decisions and the fans aren't going to necessarily like it as well to you. So it's, it's, it's a balancing act, you know? So that's a good one though. I, I like that. Yeah. I think I heard somewhere in there that a uh, 39 year old Quincy America in 2026 will be on the US roster, right? Sorry, you you cut out super hard there. I, Dang, I, I said a good, I, I, I had a good line too. I'll, I'll repeat it. I think I heard somewhere in your speech that there will be a 39-year-old Quincy Ameriqua on the 2026 U.S. roster, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. If I uh, if I figure out the keys to if I figure out the keys to um, infinite youth, I'm working on that though. So if I if I've got that, that will be a blueprint in the next book I'll write. Is uh, <laughs> it's how to do that? Yeah. Uh, it was cutting out of life so far. Yeah, uh, I have a history of cutting out during lives. Uh, that's why I was a little worried about this live. But um, yeah, that's going to wrap it up. I don't know if you could hear me or not right now. Um, thank you so much for joining, Quincy. And I hope to have you on again. Maybe I could figure out this Wi-Fi thing. Uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you, Quincy, for coming on. I don't know if you could hear me or see me. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I yeah. can. I can. I can. Um, All right. Oh, okay. Well, real, hold, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You got a couple of people. Yes. Yeah, the people said the flip. I accidentally flipped the camera around. <laughs> and it said my room was hella messy. They looked at my bed. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to say, we could take some questions from people because a couple of people say they've got questions. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys could ask questions for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they could drop some questions um, in here. <laughs> I, I double tapped the screen. It flipped around and showed my bed. <laughs> 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 no, it's not good. Uh, let me see. 
uh, okay. Tom Tom said, Quincy, who's the best player in the world? Uh, Quincy Ameriqua, right? Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, no, I guess I'd say I'd have to give it to you, Cristiano Ronaldo. I'd give it to him because I feel like um, he's changed and adapted his game to whatever's necessary to achieve his, like, soccer goals. So, like, he wants to go down as, like, one of the most prolific goal scorers in history and to kind of, like, do it in a way that no one else has ever done it. Um, and then other people would be like, well, it's got to be Messi. I'd say Messi's more naturally gifted and talented than him for sure. But um, I'm, I'll ride with the person who I think is doing, uh, doing working harder on on their on their own and is more focused and dedicated to it. But that's a completely like uninformed. I don't know either one of them, so uh, that's kind of just a speculative guess as to that. Um, yeah, um, I, I've seen this question a lot, so I'm going to ask it. Who is your favorite okay. teammate that you've played with? Oh, over the course of my career? Yeah, maybe who's your best friend out from a team or something like that? Uh, well, I, I'd say the, my, best, uh, my, best friend from, uh, my best friend from playing over the court. So I've had a couple of best friends. Like, so the, my close friend from um, – so Ross LeBeau was, like, the main one right because he's he's been with me since like 2010 but i also i developed a really great relationship with sean Johnson while i was in chicago i had a really great with mike mcgee um while i was in chicago and then um uh my time in san jose this last time in san jose i had a great relationship with uh danny Husen, but also like france uh francois affalter um jameer hika uh the, the whole the whole locker room like I was good with the younger guys Luis Felipe Matt Brasano um, you know I hang out with Bingham I, I like I, you know every that whole locker room to be honest with you um, it's just uh, I think for me the professional side has been the kind of the relationships and friendships I've built with guys over over time and it's been interesting because I've learned soccer so I've I, I never spent a lot of time watching soccer though um, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't. I did spend a lot of time learning from watching other uh, watching soccer. I learned most by watching people play while playing. So it's been very mm -hmm. interesting seeing the quality and caliber of guys come into the league over the last couple of years. Because I just know I've seen my game improve a lot. Because I'm just watching. I'm just watching the quality of the players around me get better. So that that's always been really great. Awesome, awesome. Let's see what other questions. So it looks like I'm still glitching out to people. <laughs> um. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're glitching a little bit. It's okay. I'll I'll go okay. through what we got. We've got Victor said. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. T y l g e s said thoughts on Wayne Rooney. Um, you know, he he's a he's a great player. Um, I think he makes great decisions on the field. What I've liked most about Wayne Rooney is that he he came into the league showing the league respect. You know, he didn't come in thinking that it was um, a walk in the park, and I don't think he. I don't think he took a piss. I think he took it seriously and he wanted to prove he had something to prove. And I, you know, I can always, um, I can always get behind someone like that. I think, I think that was very, um, mature of him for lack of a better word. I thought I liked, I liked that about him. Um, uh, DC fan base said any players you try to model your game, uh, middle, I think you mean model your game after I say, um, no, to be honest, I, I, I pull, 
I call it like cafeteria soccer player. So I pick the parts of each player that I think is valuable or really good or something that I should implement into my game. I wouldn't say that I model, I want to model after anybody. I think I want to, the game's changing and you have to adapt and what worked yesterday might not work tomorrow. Um, so you have to be willing and open to kind of make those transitions. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, LA floor, sorry. Oh, no, 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 I was just scrolling through. Yes. Uh, what question did you want to answer? No, no, no. Go ahead. If you find some better ones, go ahead and ask me because I know you're, you're coming back in as well, too. So. Oh, yeah. Well, no. Uh, I feel like half the chat has asked, who do you think is going to win the MLS Cup, Atlanta or Portland? It's difficult because it's in Atlanta and they've got a yeah. solid veteran team. But it's hard to it's hard to go against Atlanta with with everything that's there. But for that reason, that's what's great about MLS, and I can see uh, Portland Portland squeezing it out because if if Portland can create make it a very difficult game defensively, like just annoying. Like I really like Chara. I think Chara is the most underrated player in the history of MLS. I won't even say mm. just in general. I think Chara is the most underrated player in the history of MLS. Like a thousand percent hands down. And um, I think if he's able to frustrate Atlanta and make the game very very difficult, right? Make the, make the game not fun for Atlanta. Like, yeah. Hey, they're they're clipping me. They're they're chopping at me. They're you know what I mean. Like a real MLS playoff game, they do that. Portland wins it. But if they turn it into a, like, let's try to outplay them and play this, uh, you know, attacking style football, Atlanta will Atlanta will win. I have kind of a follow up question based on yep. something that you said earlier. So, mm -hmm. um, yes, we do know like it takes stars to win. Um, but you mentioned this earlier, and I really liked it. You talked about veteran MLS players. So could you talk about the value of guys maybe on Atlanta like Michael Parkhurst or Jeff Laurentowitz rather than yep. like a Miguel Almiron or Joseph Martinez? Can you talk more about the yep. importance of like the, the big red type players? Yeah, so well, to, to that point, right, a, re a big reason why Atlanta is in the finals is because of their veteran back line. That's why they have it. They have those guys who have the MLS experience. And if you look at Portland, Valeri's been in the league how long? Chara has been in the league for how long, right? Those are huge focal points yeah. of that. If you look at Kansas City, who continually does well every year, how many guys do they have with a lot of MLS experience, you know? And uh, that's not by mistake. Like, you can do very well during the year, but playoffs is different. And that's what makes MLS so much so different. So for me, when I say the key to the game is basically Chara, Chara's ability to make the game not fun for the attacking players of Atlanta, right? If they're fouling them early and fouling them often and the ref allows yeah. the play to happen because this is a game, if he's not calling it tight, right, that wears down on those guys over time, yeah. over the course of the game, right? And then Valeri is a veteran guy up front who's been in those situations and knows more how to how to handle that. 
as well as the supporting guys around them. So if, if, they, if they approach it like veterans, which I believe Portland will, right? Um, yeah. The longer the game goes on, the more in favor it goes to Portland because, because if you think about it from the perspective of the attacking guys at Atlanta, they don't have that much MLS experience. So the longer they go without scoring, the newer that experience is for them and the more pressure there is on them to kind of break away, you know, do something, you know, do something they maybe shouldn't overextend themselves. And then all of a sudden, if, because Portland can, is devastating on the counter, especially when you're watching Char, Char's playing on both sides of the field. He'll be in his 18 and within 10 seconds, he's in the opponent's 18 on the counter attack, you know, like, if they're able to counter on that one and do well, now all of a sudden the dynamic is out the window because now you're saying how, how much does the, the, the MLS veteran um, experience in the offensive side of Portland outmatch the defensive side of, of Atlanta? That's, for me, that's the matchup, right? Like, you can yeah. have a great defensive back line with older guys like with Lorenowitz and Parkhurst. That's awesome. But um, great offensive play breaks down great defensive play, right? But great, uh, great uh, if uh, the defensive side can smother the offensive side of, of the younger guys, the less experienced guys on Atlanta, right? For me, that's the way I look at it, and that, that's the key. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for ever. any last things you want to say. I know the live stream is going to cut us off soon yep. as we're approaching an hour. No, okay, no, no. So that's good. Anything? I mean, no, I think that's good. I appreciate you having me on. I'll be happy to do this again in the future. This was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, you. if uh, people have any more questions, hit us up on the Perfect Soccer account. Um, hopefully, if you can save the save the live, download the live. Maybe we'll we'll one have the replay up, but I'll also post it over to yeah. the Perfect Soccer page. I will for sure save the live. Um, once again, thank you so much. We have the thirty. He will be thirty nine in twenty twenty six. He will be scoring the World Cup. <laughs> also. What I learned is in his next life, he will be a goalkeeper. He'll be a star goalkeeper. Yes. You will be better yes. than Sean Johnson. And also <laughs> in your third career, you will be megging every single Piatti in the world. That's it. Yep. All awesome. of that. that Perfect. That's, that's exactly <laughs> that, what I thought. <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. That sums up our entire conversation. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for everyone who hung out on the live and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year. Later. Awesome. Bye, guys. Quincy Ameriqua here, and thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with someone you feel will get some value from it. And if you could take a moment to leave a review of our podcast wherever you're listening and let us know who you would like us to interview next, we'll get working on it right away. You can re-listen to this episode and all our other interviews, episodes, and audio shows over at perfectsoccerskills.com slash radio. 
That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash R-A-D-I-O. You can also enter to win free weekly soccer prizes, goals, balls, jerseys, player meet and greets, and more by heading over to perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M. That's perfectsoccerskills.com slash P-S-T-M to enter to win for free today. Thanks again, and see you guys in the next episode. 